thinking about discharging your patient? Hold on just a minute. That's what we're talking about today on the Working Therapist Podcast. Welcome to The Working Therapist, a podcast designed to help you grow in your therapy practice. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. Now, here are your hosts, Hayden Bolick and Kirsty Miles. Hey, everybody. On today's podcast, Kirsty and I are talking about pausing or holding, really, before you discharge, right? And we have come up with, I think, this fun little acronym, HOLD, before you discharge, right? Because... You know, what we've said before, and Kirsty, you back me up on this. We've said on many podcasts before how it's important to always think about discharge. Every time I get a kid in therapy, I always think, okay, how can I make it so you don't need me? Right, yeah. because we we do, um, as a practice, you know, pediatric therapy is a lot of times more intermittent in nature. They need us, they discharge, they need us again a little bit later to address something else. And so it's more um, as needed rather yes. than you enter therapy from the time you're born and we see up till 21 and <laughs> that's just an unrealistic expectation because ultimately we want all these kids to go play with their friends or do something after school besides coming in for speech OTPT every day after school because yep. that gets old and especially as they get older. So right. it's really like we're looking at function and when are they functional? And I think PT more than even OT and speech. PT number mm-hmm. one, OT two, and speech three definitely has more of a, okay, hey, let me get you in therapy, see you for a while, discharge you. Okay, there may be something else we need to work on a little bit later, discharge you back in, out. For some of our kids with some of our diagnoses. Now, some diagnoses, not so much, but some of them, yeah. Speech, we tend to get them in and then discharge. PT definitely has more of an ebb and flow. And I think OT is in the middle. It does, and if you think about it, the body changes all through adolescence and puberty. And so even though, hey, your heel cords aren't tight right now, but then they go through this massive growth spurt and you get them back and you're like, whoa, what happened? What happened to your feet? (laughs) <laughs> you change them? <laughs> so, so that's another reason why, but um, it does make sense. So sometimes I think when we go to look at discharge, I do believe that discharge is a whole process. You know, I mean, there's a whole process to bring them in, to br- get a child in for therapy. And we have talked on this podcast a lot about the evaluation and bringing a child in and setting them up and all that. But I think discharge is equally as much of a process. I don't just one day say, oh, yep, you're ready for discharge. Like I've been thinking about it for a long time in terms of if I'm the treating therapist for a long time. So today, Kirsty and I have come up with this acronym, HOLD, that will hopefully help you as you think about discharging a patient. So you don't do it too rapidly. So we make sure that we fully treat and leave the parent resourceful before we do that. I think this HOLD acronym is a very um, holistic, comprehensive, big picture kind of idea to help So it's a big picture concept to help, but help with the individual points of discharge. So that's kind of what we're talking about. Okay. So the first for hold is H is the first letter. So how is the child doing? You know? Yeah. And if they're coming in for ongoing therapy, you're reassessing every single time they come in. So I think the most important piece of this is how are they doing is you have to have ongoing communication throughout the entire plan with the parent so they are in connection with how their child is doing. And so what that means is if you are getting ready to the point of considering discharge, the day they come in for that reassessment to determine are we gonna continue therapy or not is not the first day the parents hear about it. No, they've been hearing about 
how the child is doing and you've been thinking about how the child is doing now for the past like for as long as you've been seeing him so say for feeding a child feeding therapy okay they're eating they're eating independently you've got them off the g-tube they're taking everything by mouth well that's been a huge long process anyway right for anybody with that type of does done that type of therapy but all along the way you're constantly how are they doing with this how are they doing with this where can they do you know you're constantly and that's a feeding is an easy and a real kind of in your face sort of type of therapy to think about for this because there's so much communication that has to happen between the parent and the therapist for that feeding thing to think about how are they doing you know you wouldn't think okay they go from taking a g-tube to eating everything by mouth there's been a a lot of how are they doing all along the way how are they doing with this part this part this part all all through the steps of making that happen so the hold also for how are they doing is what you want to do is you want to look at the goals so how are they doing on these goals right here sometimes people will say oh well you know they've been working on this goal forever and they're not making any progress you know or they'll say they're meeting these goals i had five goals they met them all right we did a podcast on this a couple of I don't know, a while back, right? Where we talked about like when to change your goal plan or how do you know you need a new goal plan kind of thing. So you have to always look at your goals and think, okay, are they, number one, are they meeting all the goals or are some of these goals maybe not really appropriate goals anymore for whatever reason? You know, mm -hmm. if even just, even though you've been working on the same thing now for a while, maybe the goal is too lofty or just not appropriate or I don't know. And I think it does come more naturally to some for therapists to just naturally move into that discussion on an ongoing basis with parents. But I think it's good to know yourself and know when you think it, but you don't share it. Because if mm. the first time they hear it is the day you're deciding what to do next, no. it, you're kind of blindsiding them, which leads us into the next part of the hold, the O. So before we do the O part, one more thing I want to say about the hold thing is also look at the functional application of what they're doing. Not just like how are they doing all the goals and like, for example, testing, but what is the functional, like how are they presenting in the world? You know, like for example, Kirstie and I, are, we've recently um, been, some of the kids we've been seeing in therapy, we've been working with therapists for maybe it's like a community outing, right? For, for a couple of kiddos. And um, the reason we wanted to do a community outing for a couple of our kids is we understand how they present like in the gym or how they present in a speech room or how they present and they're doing really well, but how does this child present in Chick-fil-A? You know, or how do they present if they're walking through the parking lot with a child? You Functional know? I mean, With a parent, I mean. Functional, functional carryover. So you want to think about, so do these goals carry over to other places or have you asked, you know, have you really examined all the aspects of the child's life where they're going and doing stuff, you know? You need to have open conversation with the parents. So again, what I just stated was you might think it, but you have to share it. Yeah. So as somebody, I am a strong thinker person. Like I'm, I'm assessing every child in my head, in my head, I have to force it to come out. And I think it's very much appreciated when it does because it gives the parent a train of thought. It gives them something to follow. You've got to remember, they didn't go to school for what you went to school for. They don't have somebody taking them step-by-step step through this. That's our job. Mm -hmm. So we've got to share with them what we know and why we're doing what we're doing and how is it going to come to the final product which our hope is discharge so for some of those people in the world that do have to force it to come out like you there's other people in the world who have to force nothing to come out <laughs> who have to force everything to stay in right <laughs> yeah you know, because so sometimes it can be confusing if everything yeah. that 
it comes out, then they're like, I could go this way, this way, this way. There's like five different trails that you could take. And yep. which one are we taking? And wait back up. I know. <laughs> so, so yes, because I've, oh, I've been there with parents before where before when I used to not could keep it all in. Right. And I would just be talking about stuff and parents were like, what, what are we, what are we? I'm like, oh no, none, you don't have to know none of that. I was just talking. <laughs> oh, what? I mean, but they, but if it's coming out of your mouth and you're the therapist, they're, they're like, hanging on important. It. And everything. You're, and you're like, no, that, you know, you didn't have to listen to that. I'm, I was, I was just processing. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's confusing to people. So I've learned how to keep my mouth shut though. It's debatable some days. But, but like you said, you had to learn. So I I think it's something that you have to learn. You have to know about yourself Uh and you have to know about your audience. Yeah. Because what can they handle? Right. And you have to also open, like you have to make sure you create an environment in which you invite the conversation to happen too, right? So if, you, uh, if you've not been saying much to your parents all along the way, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, I want to discharge and here's why. And th- they might be like, well, oh, what? Now they've never heard as much information from you, kind of catch them off guard. So you want to, you got to start laying the groundwork for some of that open communication. And, and really it's open, like face-to-face communication. It's not an email necessarily thing. It's not a texter thing that, that we would text. It's not a written thing it's a it's a you got to open like conversation you me face to face one room child or at least over the phone and prepping them in advance or google meet or zoom yeah so you know like you've got an off period ending in two months starting that early to prep them for here's where we're at on the goals mom why don't you start thinking at home some areas where he's really struggling because we are getting come due for another request from the insurance company. So we have to think, what are we going to do for the next six months? So he's doing really, really well on these goals. Um, Why don't we both think on things so that way we can come back and share and have a discussion because I want to make sure I'm meeting all the needs at home and I'm going to share with you where I think he falls. Yep. So that's like a two-way street as opposed to a therapist coming in and I've been on this side of things where they're like, well, here's what we're going to do. And right. I'm like, wait, says who? <laughs> what are my options? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I wouldn't like that as a parent for my child. Right. I'm like, wait, let's talk about this. Yes. W- if we go this way, what does that mean? If we choose this, what does that mean? So ultimately, the parent should be the one making the decisions for their child, but it's our job to educate the parent on what the options are because they don't know what's out there. Right. Really, when we're talking about this open for discussion thing, it's really collaborative, right? Because we don't work as therapists. We work with people. It's a people job. You, me, and somebody else, or I don't really have anything to do, right? It's all about building a relationship. You need to build trust with the parent, with the child. So you got to kind of think about your definition of collaboration and what that really means. And collaboration doesn't mean just telling people stuff or not talking about stuff. It means like open yourself for discussion, open for me to talk and you to talk. And when you talk, that means I have to listen. And listen is our next word and hold, H-O-L. And we'll get D in a minute. Listen. So I think the listening part of what we do is as important or maybe even more important. Kirsty, I don't know if you feel that way, as what we say like the listening you've got to hear what the parent has to say also maybe what the other people have to say they're important in the child's continuum of care that doesn't mean everybody because you also have to know who to listen to right but you also have to listen that means being open for hearing what they're going to say so important i think too listening not just in that 
conversation that you just open the doors for, but listening session after session after session, because it's really a culmination of all of that therapy that happened. Because you might have fine murder goals for this child, and you're like, check, 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 we've got it, we've got it, he can write his name, we're looking at discharge, but then the parent's like, I'm sorry, I'm late, we were at Walmart, and he threw a fit on the floor, and you're like, wait, hold up, what? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so this whole plan of care do we need to address we didn't do a sensory profile is that some yeah and she's like oh yeah it's every day well that might be important to okay know. we can't transition <laughs> in and out of the grocery stores or walmarts or school or wherever when yeah. does this happen is yeah. it a certain time of day like it starts to by you listening and i'm not saying hang on every one thing like no. yeah. but you do have to tuck it away because if you start collecting these little pieces over time you're like "Ooh, wait shift gears yeah Yeah. And then I think also, what do you want for your child? You know, listen, like, what do you want for your child? Because they're the parent. They know what they kind of have an idea. And then you can help, like, foster that or support that in the right way or maybe steer it in different ways of what they want. Maybe it may not be kind of what the child may. Who knows? I don't know. But I'm just saying. um, So listening in that way. And then and I think it's important to um, because sometimes when we don't listen or we don't open ourselves up for that, we start to assume or to kind of put our interpretations or what we think on to somebody else and then we can be totally wrong right yeah I can give a, I can give a good example of this um, there was a, a mother that we had and this has been years ago she's a social worker and she called in one day and she said she had to cancel last minute for her child because of a domestic violence situation now this mother works full-time domestic violence she's a social worker this is kind of what she does like she had to call she said, I've got to call in I've got a domestic violence situation happening so then this message got passed on to the therapist. So then the therapist assumed that this child was living in a household where there's tons of domestic violence, which that's not the case at all. You know, so um, so and there would have been not so much communication. Now this has been a while ago, not too much communication. So I was talking to the therapist about it, and and the therapist all said, "Oh, well, the nurse brings her every day." And so I'm like, because this child was pretty medically involved, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. So so I said, "What domestic violence? How do we? What's happening right that?" And she goes, "Oh, well, you know, that she called because." it was a domestic violence situation and and the nurse brings them every day so I don't really think this mom's that involved and she doesn't want to get involved I was like actually I think let's back the bus up a little bit so let's open it up for communication with this mom and let's listen to have what she says about her child and in part of that listening we learned she's social worker and that was a whole work thing okay so so that was kind of a sort of an extreme example but an example of like listening well and like you said if you're not listening you're making assumptions you you are so there was tons of assumptions made that were actually completely wrong completely Mm -hmm. wrong so you've got to talk open and you've got to listen that's part of the holding process and then the d part is there's a decision point so you you thought i was gonna say discharge didn't you i didn't say discharge i said decision point (laughs) (laughs) a decision point so a decision has to be made because it's not your decision independent of everything above no so you have to first how are they doing opening the conversation back and forth, making sure you're listening. Now is the decision point. Yes. But it might not be discharge. No, it may not be. Now, if you've done the, if you've done the first three things, you may start at one place and be at a totally different place by the time you get to the D part. Because we didn't talk about standardized testing, but in the part of the whole part, the H part could be standardized testing too. I think it is important to note the standardized testing. So maybe you standardize test and maybe they get a 98. They blew the test out of the water. Yeah. But functionally, out in the community, they're struggling. So just because we have a really high score doesn't mean they don't need therapy. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. The clinical, your clinical assessment is so, so, so important with the standardized testing. Mm -hmm. So, but that, and all of those things go into the decision point. So it's not just a child's meeting all the goals. Okay, time for discharge. It's no, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. Because a lot of times, too, um, we alluded to the fact earlier that the, the community, out in the community, they might be able to do something isolated to a therapy room with no visual, no auditory distraction, and then at home they're trying to do homework and there's three other kids running around and they're like, no, he can't get any of it done. Well, we need to shift gears on what this plan is. Can he write his name? Yes. Can he do his homework? No. no. Yep. Can he organize any of his stuff? He can organize it fine in like one-on-one -on -one individual therapy session. This child can walk up and down. She can step up on a bench and step back down a bench. She can, you know, walk on a, on a balance beam, that kind of thing, when there's nobody around in the gym and it's just her and the therapist and that kind of thing. But stepping over top of a curb could be totally a different story. In a busy parking lot where there's cars coming and going in the middle of like food line parking lot, totally different scenario. Or stepping up on a curb or not even knowing the curb is there to step down or up, all kinds of stuff. Totally different scenario. And, or I mean, oh, one speech therapist came to me not too long ago anyway and she said one of the things they were working on is this child sort of initiating and advocating for herself. So I said, so if she walks into a fast food restaurant, does she wait does she walk up to the counter and then initiate the order? And the, the therapist said, mm, I don't know. And I said, well, she, we need to know if she's, if we can, I mean, that's one of the things like that's a life yeah. skill, you know, or to initiate if she needs help. Can she go up to somebody at a, at a store and say, Hey, I need help. I don't know where the bathroom is or things like that. Or if she gets lost, does she know to find someone with a name tag and, and get help? You know, that kind of thing. So those are all things to think about in the whole thing. And standardized test is not going to tell you that, but standardized assessment with the clinical assessment with open discussion and listening, that will tell you the answer. We ended up not discharging that kiddo. <laughs> anyway, I think uh, there are many occasions where when you look at the bigger picture and you really open it up to the family, and I think we've, that's why we have an acronym for this. Um, I think we've got to pause, hold, and not be so quick yep. to make an independent decision. I couldn't have said it better myself. So I'm going to wrap it up, right? Because I've learned how not to... If it's in my head, it's not coming out of my mouth, right? <laughs> 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 I've, lear I've learned how to do that. Um, well, actually, no. I'm learning how to do that. I'm 30 years practiced. <laughs> it's, a, it's a slow, it's a steep learning curve. <laughs> all right. So um, thank you for listening. Kiersey, thanks for all your help and insight. It's always good. Okay. But thank you for listening and spending some time with us today. And we'll check you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.